1: Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that. You can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today we're going to discuss the Eagles wide receiver dilemma, the offensive line shuffle, and preview the week 6 matchup against the Ravens. Chris, how are you doing today?
0: Not too bad. Um it's going to be a it's going to be interesting to see how they do against this tough Ravens team, but looking forward to talking to you about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has this one chalked up as a loss, uh especially after how the defense performed against the Steelers, but I don't know. I got a weird feeling about this one. This just kind of feels like uh, somebody brought this up to me. Uh, I was speaking to I I forgot who I was talking to about it, but uh, they were like, this feels like the Packers game from last year where it's like, it seems like an inevitable loss. And then they pull it out with a surprise offensive game plan. the defense somewhat holds against a really talented quarterback. So, you know, I'm not the only one who thinks that way. I'm going to take it optimistic this week. Um, so, you know, as we get into this thing, I wanted to talk about something that I think is going to be a very big talking point, not this week, but maybe next week or the week after. Uh, I'm somebody who likes to think three steps ahead. So this make this is an appropriate topic for us. So the Eagles right now have seven active wide receivers on their roster. They have another one who is going to be eligible to return after week seven in J- Jalen Rager, their first-round pick. Now, those wide receivers are Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Travis Fulgham, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, Greg Ward, J. J.J. Arsigle-Whiteside, and then obviously Jalen Rager would be that eighth guy. Um, but we've seen Fulgham emerge. We see John Hightower playing some – pretty heavy snaps. They don't seem to be want, willing to give up on JJ or single Everybody's probably pretty okay with what Greg Ward's brought to the table. And then Quez Watkins, they just brought back from IR. So Chris, what I'm going to do is ask you a couple of questions about the wide receiver group. I'm going to, I'm going to play a uh, host and you're going to give me the most, you know what I mean? All right, um, all ready. <laughs> so when Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson inevitably return from injury, who are the five guys you have active on game day? This is prior to Jalen Rager being taken off IR.
0: Okay, I'm def- I'm as much as uh as it may sound like a lot of people will want to see it. I'm still activating. I'm still suiting up Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey because I think Jackson he still has can be your speed threat, and I think Jeffrey is your experienced wide re- possession wide receiver. I'm still having Greg Ward because he can go ahead and he's proven that he can go ahead and be a good slot receiver in the NFL, and I think he command the he can go ahead and do well in the middle of the field. And Carson Wentz has a lot of confidence in him. The other two I'm gonna go at I'm gonna go I'm gonna go depend I want to I'm gonna use a cop out on this one depending on uh, Foglem if he can go ahead and continue to have a strong showing. I'm using him to be the uh, to be my quote unquote another my other ex receiver, my backup ex receiver. And then from there, I'm gonna go with Hightower. I think he's warranted enough. I think he's shown enough flashes to go ahead and be the continued develop and go ahead and work in there. I know it's it's talk. it's tough between choosing between him and Quez Watkins, but I think that Hightower with his the dimension his athletic ability, I think when it comes to speed and also I think his uh I think he's learned more and felt a little more comfortable to go ahead and Go ahead and put in that position because you still have Watkins who hasn't basically never seen him in a big big play spot so far. So that's who I'm going to go with. And now since I'm going to go ahead and co-opt the whole host the host section, now, Mike, who do you feel should be the five that suits up?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked <laughs> uh, because I don't really care what Travis Fulgham does next week against the Ravens. I don't. I genuinely don't. I think he needs to be, I think he needs to be playing regardless. Uh, I, I've seen enough. Look, I was sitting in the press box, like almost like laughing at the fact that Travis Fulgham was getting open on Joe Hayden, like almost every play. This team has lacked wide receiver, um, developmental pieces with somewhat flashes for five years. They just have. Everybody wants to talk about Greg Ward. Look, I think Greg Ward's done a fine job. He's also never averaged more than 10 yards a catch. Uh, I I just like, and that's not what a slot receiver necessarily has to do, but he's really not a big play threat. He won't get you a lot of yards after the catch unless he breaks open on a busted coverage. Um, That said, I do think Greg Ward should be active. I do think Deshaun Jackson and um, Alshon Jeffrey should both be active as well. I don't know if I necessarily need one of them to start. Uh, you know, you had video of Alshon at practice yesterday. Unfortunately, I had to miss it because I had a sick kid, but Alshon looked like he had glue stuck to his shoes. Um, and that would be the concern for me. Now, I think he can be good in the red zone. I'd make him a package player. But frankly, they're in a spot right now at 1-3-1 and one where, yes, the division's wide open, but... You also kind of have to balance the future with the present because Alshon, there's literally no way that Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are here next year. There is no way. And people get upset with literally there is no way. I would bet pretty much almost anything on it. Um,
0: OK, so Vegas puts uh plus 100 plus 200 that one of the two stays you say you're not going to take that at all.
1: I would take Deshaun over Jeffrey, but there's no way that Jeffrey is here. There's no way. Sorry. There's just no way. And so I think uh, you've got to put him in. Look, you're paying him. Uh I think Deshaun, like you said, can still be a speed threat. I have no issue starting him opposite Fulgham and, and Greg Ward. That does not bother me. I'm not starting Alshon Jeffrey. He's shown me nothing. He hasn't played since December and he's shown me nothing in practice that make would make me feel okay with that. Sorry. So, that's your, your prolonged answered four, uh, five. I, yeah. I agree with you. I'm probably going to go with Hightower, although I don't necessarily think it's a slam dunk. I mean, he has really shown a, a problem with tracking the ball and, you know, if when, you know, we'll get into when Rager comes back, but they're going to have to make a decision between three guys on this roster as to who they're going to cut, because you're not going to keep eight, wide receivers on the roster. It's just not going to happen. It's one, it's terrible roster management too. You've, you've seen that injuries pile up every week. It's going to be very difficult to do that. I think they actually screwed themselves by activating Quez Watkins's practice window um, as early as they did. Not because Fulgham emerged, but also because you're doing that as Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are coming back into the mix you know, it would be one thing if Alshon was on PUP, but they, again, made a poor decision there and kept him on the on the main roster. So now they've got to juggle all of these things. And, you know, we saw it with Casey Tuhill where he was waived and claimed by Washington. Do you want to make take that other that same risk with the Quez Watkins or a John Hightower? I don't think you do. Uh, I also don't think you're going to give up on a J.J. or White side less than two years after making him a second round pick, I may be wrong. So let me turn this to you. You know, I want to get this, you know, obviously this opening segment is going to take up a lot of time because there's a lot of guys at stake. And and frankly, the wide receiver position is one of the few interesting spots on the team right now. Um, who are you cutting of those three guys? Once Jalen Rager returns, or are you, or, or are you cutting Fulgham and are basically going to get hate mail for the next six months?
0: No, no, no. I I He's going to take a lot of heat if he did this, but frankly, I think it's time. I think he cut Whiteside. I think our Whiteside's time here in Philadelphia is done. I wouldn't be surprised if in the offseason he's done. I mean, the fact that you had to wait this long—you had to wait five—you had to wait five games for him to even get his first reception in, in this year. It was a, granted, it was a nice catch, but it, they ran out of time. They couldn't. Basically, use it, which goes back to Hightower, which is a rookie mistake. But when you look at what he's provided so far, he hasn't been—he hasn't gotten even enough separation for wins to even look his way. He's done the only thing that I've seen that I've liked out of him so far this season has been his blocking down the field. And there's so many times you can get a tight end to do that, or you can go ahead and go, "Hey, you're a wide receiver. You're supposed to be blocking as part of your job description." But hey, you know what? Your main thing is receiver, and he hasn't been able to do that. I mean, the the front office would get so much blowback from it, especially with it being with Arcega-Whiteside being a second round pick. But it's just time. You're not getting the production. You're not getting anything. And I'd rather, basically, Travis Fogum is what JJ Arcega-Whiteside should have been.
1: Yes, he exactly. should
0: have been that possession receiver with that catch. I mean, how many times have we heard catch radius, big body, getting out there. He should have been the one that does that. Now, are you now are you cutting Arcega-Whiteside? i mean i I don't see how you he would not be the. i don't see how he's not the question he's not the answer to this one
1: well so i one i disagree with you i don't think they're gonna get a ton of flack i actually think they might get some praise for acknowledging that he was not it you know and not like hold sticking to their guns on a draft pick over cutting somebody like travis Fulgham. um but yeah, I, I was saying this to Jimmy Kemski, our buddy from the Philly Voice the other day. I was like, this is exactly what they wanted. in JJ or single like from a like pure definition of what they saw in him, exactly what they got. I, I actually compared Travis Fulgham the other night to Tyler Boyd. They, they run similar 40s. Uh, they can play all three wide receiver positions, very good in the slot, can beat you deep, can beat you on a possession catch, seemingly have very good field awareness. So I agree with you that they're not going to cut full of them. So here is the thing: you have a thing for Quez Watkins, or or maybe I am just reading too much into it. I think I you can. I think you can cut Quez Watkins. I think you can get him through waivers. The guy who lasted till late in the sixth round, um, he has no training camp tape on him. He's not a pass rusher. The reason why Casey Two Hill got picked up is he's a pass rusher uh and you never if you have the opportunity to grab a young pass rusher especially in a Ron Rivera defense you're going to do it. Uh I think Ques Watkins is a guy you can get through waivers. Uh that said, if they were to cut JJ, I would I would be on board with it. I just think you've put this young man in a position he was not comfortable with. I don't think he's good enough and frankly, you brought in Hakeem Butler to convert to tight end when really maybe you should have been thinking about using JJ or Sega Whiteside as a move tight end, you know, a Jordan Reed type player. Um, and they look, I, I I mean, I just don't understand why this guy's on the field. Frankly, I don't know how he has not been inactive almost every week. Again, I think you've put yourself in this position where Quez Watkins is a guy who can offer deep speed threat but we've seen John Hightower can get down the field and Carson just can't connect with him Deshaun Jackson's coming back Jalen Rager's coming back it's I mean you're getting more of the same here and so I think like from my perspective if you can get Quez Watkins through waiver I mean look I think they're gonna get heat for cutting Quez Watkins they got heat for cutting Casey Twohill when nobody had actually seen him play other than us so no matter what you do I think you know, but that but that said, I I mean I, I think Howie Roseman gets this reputation of guarding draft picks and holding on to them for too long. I think if he were to move on from somebody like J.J. or a whiteside, uh, you'd have to praise him. I mean, he I mean he's gonna get you know, the j I was talking to Doug Whaley, who's a former general manager of the Buffalo Bills the other day. I was like, You guys have like a job where no matter what you do, you're gonna get criticized. You guys could draft Dan Marino. Uh, Jerry Rice and Emmett Smith in the same draft, you're still going to be criticized for for the kicker you signed who has no experience. <laughs> I mean it's like it, it's just one of those things where I think, look, Howie has not done a good job with this roster this year. It's evident. I didn't think he did a, a terrific job with the roster last year either. Um, but I do think he deserves credit where credit's do claim I mean he didn't just sign Fulgham off the street. He claimed him off waivers. They clearly liked him. Um And they were able to get him through waivers and then bring him up. Um, And that typically doesn't happen. Like they decided to sign him to the active roster over Deontay Burnett, who we had all seen have a great camp and do all this other stuff. There was some logic there. Um, So here's, here's, here's what I'm then, then what I'm going to ask you. The last question is once Rager returns, what how do you see the roles playing out do you see Deshaun as a starter do you see Alshon as a starter do you see Fulgham as a starter do you see maybe Greg Ward moving out of the slot do you see Rager maybe starting there what's your what's your lineup for the five
0: I think in order to and I don't think it it'll be right but I think in order to appease all parties involved I think they're going to go back to what they envisioned to have opening day or at least some semblance of what they would, would like to have open day. I think you have Deshaun Jackson starting opposite of uh, Alshon Jeffrey. And I think, personally, I think is about two weeks away. That's just me looking at him when I seeing him running. And I think he was working more on his form and getting time down and everything. His form, but he did he did look kind of slow. But I think he was working more on form that. But I think when he eventually comes back in two weeks, I think you're going to have those two just because they're veterans. And the last thing you want to do is, the uh, last thing this team needs to do is seeing veterans being a little upset and setting a precedent for rookies and impressionable rookies. I think that's the last thing the team wants to do. And I think they also want to respect the veterans. So I'm not saying it's right, but I think you'll see those two there. I think you see Ward remain in that middle of the field, especially uh, unless, uh, especially with uh Goddard out, we don't know how long he's in return, but he should be, that should be coming very soon. But I think he put, I think you still put Ward in the middle and I think he put Rager down the, uh, as the other slot guy. So when you go four wide, you have those four going out there. You have Jackson, Jeffrey, Ward, and uh, Rager, and then you mix in a little bit. You mix in a uh, Fulgham to go ahead with Jeffrey. You start to mix them in a little bit. You, sh- you shift them around. So that's the way I think the lineup's going to be. Now, how are you going to keep? Are you going to go ahead and put Jack, put Jackson, and keep him starting there? And are you going to keep Jeffrey? You, are you going to have that starting combo of Jeffrey and Jackson to start out the season? To start out probably after the buy, are you going to do that?
1: Well, I'm I'm easing Jeffrey into the lineup regardless whether he's starting or not. Like He's probably going to get 15 snaps a game, and so I want to see how he and Fulgham play during that. I want them to compete. Um, I'm big on Fulgham. I'm telling you, I, I've been covering the league for six years. I don't think I've seen a come-out-of-nowhere performance quite like Travis Fulgham's. I've definitely not seen a wide receiver performance like Fulgham's since I've been here remember I covered Alan Robinson, who I think is eons better than Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, so Ooh. I've seen, I've seen performances like that. No, I, Alan Ooh. Robinson, Alan Robinson, is, <laughs> Alan Robinson is the most underrated route runner I've ever seen in my life. I used to watch him just absolutely wreck Jalen Ramsey in practice, like wreck him, like to the point where Jalen would like whine on the sideline. I have video of it. I will send it to you. Um, <laughs>
0: I wouldn't say light years. I mean, I think he's better. I wouldn't say light years, though. I think at when, this point in their careers,
1: going, good at, at this point in their careers, Alshon's had like 2000 yard seasons and one Pro Bowl season. Like, I don't think like I I think Alshon was very good for what he look the Super Bowl year. He he surprised me. I didn't think they should have signed him. Uh, but the Super Bowl year, I thought he played extremely well. He was a huge part of that team since then, since I've been on this beat, he's been basically a number three wide receiver for the most part. I don't think he's the guy that, that he was prior to his labrum injury. I think the labrum injury really affected him. And then he's dealt with some lower body injuries. I just think his body's breaking down as big wide receivers have, seem to do uh, now more a days. Um, you know, look, I think Deshaun Jackson's a guy that you brought in here to be, um, you know, a, a sweet dessert you know, you brought him back this year to be a sweet dessert because you've got Jalen Rager, who's the main course. You have to see what you have in these guys. Like, I, I just, like, they've lacked so much definition when it comes to developmental players, especially at the wide receiver position. If you've invested a first-round pick of Jalen Rager, he needs to be on the field. So maybe that means you play him in the slot opposite Deshaun and the, the tandem of Fulgham and Jeffrey, depending on matchup. Like, to me, that makes sense. I don't need to see Greg Ward on that. I think Greg Ward's a very good fourth wide receiver, but you do not need to force feed him at this point. Really. You need to see a return on your investment immediately with Rager. You need to see a return on your investment with Deshaun Jackson. You see, you want to see what you have left in Alshon Jeffrey. Um, And then Travis Fulgham has already had maybe one of the top 15 performances in the regular season for, for a, for a wide receiver from a number standpoint. The last time somebody caught 10 passes for 152 yards and a touchdown, it was 2014. Carson Wentz wasn't even in the league yet, and it was Jeremy Macklin. So to me, I I, look, I know we're talking a lot about Travis Fulgham, but really he's been like one of the few bright spots on this team, and they're going to eventually have to make a huge decision, and we've taken up 20 minutes of this show talking about the wide receiver position because I do think it's that enigmatic heading into when they have these three major names return to the lineup. So let's go into the offensive line right now. Uh, And we'll make this segment quick before we get into our preview. This is going to be a little bit longer of a show, obviously, because it was wide receiver talk. Um, Look, Lane Johnson might not be able to play on Sunday. And so that means that Jason Kelsey will be the lone starter, uh, traditional starter on this team and Jack will play right tackle. What have you thought of the makeshift offensive line thus far? Um, what have you thought of Jordan Mailata?
0: Uh, I wish they had I – I know pro football writers have a award for assistant coaches, not just coordinators, but I wish there was a NFL recognition for one because I think if they continue to do well, I think Jeff Stoutland should be in consideration for it. The fact that you have taken – just if you just look at the line right now, as it is you have Jason Kelsey, okay, He's not. I don't think he. He's still playing at a high level, but he's not the level he was say three, four years ago. But if you meant to tell me, you would have a rookie playing right tackle. You would have Matt Pryor. No explanation needed with that one. If uh, you though I thought he would do okay, but he was lately. He's been. He's he's been just bad. He's holding in there. He's he's probably been the worst of the five. Then you go on to the left of Kelsey. You have uh, you have Nate Herbig, who went from playing right guard to left guard and has played at a decent level, and then you have a six eight former rugby player who's adjusted to become have another decent time to play left tackle for your Hall of Fame tack, left tackle who's still hurt who hasn't been consistently on the field. You mean to tell me that they would go ahead and actually come together and play decently and do an okay job to protect your franchise quarterback? I, I, you can't say enough about that. And I think Driscoll is going to, I think Driscoll's part of that thing. I think the offensive line has been a g- good job. And I think if they can withstand the Steelers, I think they can have a good chance to go withstanding the Ravens. It's going to be tougher, but it's going to be, and I think the biggest test is going to be how they handle these exotic blitzes and these stunts. But I have to say the offensive line right now, I don't think that's the worst part of this team right now. You can't say that to my, in my opinion. I mean, are you going to go ahead and keep, and I'll say this too, when Josh is in there, would you move Driscoll over to the right guard position to go ahead and cover up for Pryor, or would you just keep Pryor in there and wait for Jamon Brown?
1: I mean, I, I just think you've... I don't know what's taking so long for Jamon Brown to kind of get on the field. I mean, look, guard's not an easy position to play in this offense, but they just brought up Jason Kroom after a week of being on the practice squad to play tight end, which is also not an easy task. So, you know, my my question is, like... Look, again, I, I like seeing Jack Driscoll out there. I like seeing, you know, Herbig out there. You wanna see what you have in these guys, but I look I think I, I'm I'm over Jason Peters. I'm over Jason Peters. I, I just don't really see what the point is at this point. What's your thought?
0: Well, I think when it comes to Peters, I I
1: you you <sighs> you do this thing where you are very big on veteran players and I understand that in a normal situation, but like this team isn't good. If they get to the playoffs, they can't contend. I'm not really sure what like they're in between two door they're in between a door frame right now. So they have one foot um headed towards a massive and when I say massive rebuild, this is going to be a rebuild of Epic Proportions. Oh
0: well. It, it will, right. is when you see but the then look, when they you...
1: also have a, a NFC East wide open. But here's the thing. Jason Peters isn't playing well. Alshon Jeffrey hasn't played since December. Deshaun Jackson has played six games in the last two years. Like I understand the logic of if they're in their prime. Hey, you know what? Adam to the bunch. They make the team better. I don't know if they make the team better. That's my point to you.
0: But the my my thing is going to be when you look at some of the better teams in the league, they have that good mix of both veteran players and young players. And I think right now, when you go ahead, Mylotte's played; he's played decently. But I think the main best thing is going to be is Peters is going to be the best part to have at that point when he returns a healthy Jason Peters. I think, which <laughs> it sounds like oxymoron at times, but I think a healthy Jason Peters, even at this point of his league, is about the same as having a little, still a little bit better than having a Jordan Mylotte at his point of his career. Right now, don't get me wrong. I'd actually bring my back next year, and I'd have him compete for that left tackle spot against Andre Dillard. And I think, and from judging for from what I've seen so far, I think, I think, I definitely think Dillard would be the backup in that case. I think Myalada would beat out Dillard, and that goes back to another selection of
1: but, but, but. But then why even bother bringing Jason Peters back as a left tackle? That's what I'm saying. Like, hey,
0: As long as they're in contention, man. I think you got to go ahead and – as long as they're in contention for this division, you got to put your best players out there. And that's what the about best J- way to do
1: it. But what about Jason Peters that you saw in the first three games of the season makes you think that he is a substantially better option at this point? That's my question to you. Is like,
0: you Knowledge is everything. And I think even I think when you go ahead, you see these exotic, you know, you're going to have if, if he was ready today, I would put him in there left tackle right now, because when you have a, these weird, weird exotic looking blitzes, and everything for I feel more comfortable with him going ahead and knowing to pick it up or helping the person to, to the right of him to go ahead and pick up and help her big and basically helping out with that instead of having my lotta. I mean, you can coach up somebody. A coach can do so much, and I think Stoutman's done a good job. But when you're out there, you have live bullets flying around your head. You're looking around like, okay, i got to go figure out a way to go ahead and have this happen. What's this guy? Wait, are, is, are these two or three guys coming this way? And then all of a sudden, they drop everybody back or they bring an extra guy. I think Peters is more equipped to go ahead and handle that. And oh, by the way, you have a $100 million quarterback right now in the back where you got to think of as well too. So I think I'd rather have him out there protect them then, going ahead and having my lot out there full time, but and and especially especially with the way this division is right now i mean the 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 DAC injury hurt everybody the deck injury changed everything it hurt right, the but i think
1: lot. but I think that's what the problem is here is you know you know there's like the old Looney Tunes cartoons, a guy would be on the treadmill and there'd be a stake in front of him or like a <laughs> like the Tasmanian devil would have a stake in front of him on a stick.
0: Dude, like that's you know, the, I'm starving right now. Right now, all these food references. Me and I too.
1: I heard your stomach <laughs> rumbling earlier. Um, but like, here's the thing. Like, here's, here, here's where I'm at with that. The DAC injury was actually bad for the Eagles because right now it keeps them in a roster. Like, the GM's job is to worry about the present and the future. The head coach's job is to coach the present but develop for the future. And the issue here is... If you keep thinking that that stakes in front of you, let's say they get to six, nine and one. okay, And they make the playoffs, then they get just smacked by the Saints or the Seahawks. Was it worth all of that development that you you've got a paper division title? You look, I'm always all for winning. I last year. A lot of the fan base was just like, you know what? Just pack it in, get a better draft pick. No, you, you can contend. And they went nine and seven, but a six and nine or a seven or a six, nine and one or a seven, eight and one division win. Is that really a division win to you? Um, It's going to be, this is going to be a forgotten season most likely. And I think what you have to do is you have to see what young pieces fit and what don't, you know, you have to see, that's what they're doing on the offensive line, essentially, instead of, you know, signing Cordy Glenn, they decided to put out an Australian guy who'd never played a snap in his life. Like that's just what you have to do here. And it kind of seems like they're in this tug of war of like, what should we do at each position? And nothing's consistent. You're putting Marcus Epps out there to get beat like a drum uh, every week, but you don't want to give Kayvon Wallace a bigger role or, You know, you've got uh, Jalen Mills at corner, but, you know, maybe Craig James can develop into a better player because Jalen Mills isn't playing very well. Um, You know, at linebacker, you've got Duke Riley out there and Nate Gary. I'm not sure you can play worse than either one of those guys. And you've got a guy in Sean Bradley who I think is an absolute dog. I think he's got a great mindset for the game. He's extremely athletic. He's very smart. Why not take a flyer? I get it. Davian Taylor shouldn't even be lacing up his shoes outside of special teams. But like at some point you got to play the kids. And so you've invested all this money in the defensive line. Good. Those veterans are actually delivering. But if you're not going to, you know, if you have positions that aren't playing well, play the kids. That's my point. Anyway, so that's a good segment into uh, previewing this Ravens game. Look, this game is not pretty on paper. The Ravens can kill you in a lot of ways. Hollywood Brown is developing into a very good wide receiver. Their running game is terrific with J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram. Um, Their defense is phenomenal. They're forcing turnovers on the regular. Uh, Marcus Peters is very good. Uh, Marlon Humphrey is very good at corner. This is not an easy matchup for, for this wide receiver group or for Carson Wentz. What did you see on film, Chris? Take us through it.
0: It was when you look at last week's game. I think when you see the final score versus what actually happened, it was it was a, it was a lot higher, lot of full school. I think Lamar Jackson that ankle definitely it, it was bothering him. He, it was apparent he he wasn't really truly stepping into throws. And when he was, it was sailing every which way, left right. But when he actually was accurate, he set and pretty much had a lot of time to go. Ahead if he was okay, he wasn't running like the Lamar Jackson of old. Now we've heard. Javon Hargrave and uh, Nickell Roby Coleman yesterday said that he he's in, he's basically he's starting to evolve even more. He's staying in the pocket a little bit more. I think last week that was more of a more more of a product of his injury. I think he stayed in the pocket more to protect himself. But when you look at what this Ravens offense provides, I mean Mark Ingram, he still he's not the Ingram of the Saints lore, but he's actually still pretty much provides a lot of de- uh, a lot of decent. Uh, production still when it comes to there, I think J.K. Dobbins I think that's another guy who's actually going to you may give the Eagles fits especially when he comes out of the backfield and you're going to may have seen Nate Gary uh, have to go ahead and try to cover or swing around try to get to him or if Duke Riley's okay good to go I think you may see that matchup which kind of scares me a little bit too but the Ravens still have a lot of a, a lot of pieces on offense that would be good I mean what what matchup on defense kind of scares you or on a do you see the Ravens offense providing and scares you on for the Eagles defense?
1: Well, I think Marcus Peters versus Travis Fulgham. I think you're going to find out whether Travis Fulgham is, is ready to go and can really anchor. Look, that's, that's, that's the interesting thing here, right? Is, is these young players kind of stepping up while these other guys are out. Now if Deshaun Jackson can play and he can take away Humphrey and some safety coverage, maybe you get some one-on-one matchups and you see Fulgham get open, but like, I, this is a really difficult assignment for everybody. I think their safety play is very good. Their linebackers can all do basically everything. This team drafts well. And then you, you look at the interior offensive line versus guys like Calais Campbell, I, that's going to be, that's going to be rough. Um, you know, they're a zone blocking scheme. And so Calais Campbell does relatively well against those type of, of offensive uh, blocking schemes. So this is just going to be a tough assignment overall. I, again, I, I'm not very optimistic about this game.
0: Oh, it's going to be it's going to be a lot. Of, it's going to be rough. I think Campbell is disruptive in there. And how about how about Fort coming back to for Philly? How about another linebacker who the Eagles would love to have on their roster right now? That him coming back there and Patrick Queen. I mean, we know we know the Eagles don't draft linebackers very high, but wouldn't he have? Looked, I mean, you would have had to. Decide between him, he Rager, she, he and Rager. If he wanted to move up, try to get him stuff like that. But how how nice would it be to have a guy like Patrick Queen in the middle of his defense right now for years to come? And you knew what you were getting in that position. I mean, this is that Ravens defense. Uh, it it, it kind of scares me in a way that in a way they're going to attack this offense and the blitzes that they have.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal. <laughs> it's not an ideal <laughs> matchup for the Eagles. And you know, on either side of the field, I think look. If you want to take anything away from this game, hopefully it's the young guys stepping up. But again, uh, it's part of the reason why we want to talk about the wide receivers so much and the offensive line. It's this matchup is not very good on paper. And I don't mean to sound super negative, but like the Ravens are a very good team and it just kind of look last year in training camp, they did joint practices and the Ravens mopped the field with them in my opinion. Um, And frankly, I just think they're a much more talented team. They're much more well put together. I think uh, Eric DeCosta has done a very good job establishing this team on both sides of the ball, and I don't think Howie Roseman's done the same. So it's going to be a rough matchup. I spoke to D. D- Wayne Walker, uh, the former Browns uh, DBs coach, about you know taking Lamar Jackson, not out of the game, but defending him. So some plot points he gave me were Jalen Hurts, obviously serving as Lamar Jackson in practice, but Walker said he's not as athletic. He doesn't have the arms talent. You know, it's hard to officially replicate uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, He thinks the defensive line needs to not play for sacks, but to play for contain. He called it caging uh, where you have the defensive ends kind of try to lock Lamar Jackson into the pocket while the defensive tackles try to take away passing lanes to me. That's brilliant, and that's what should be happening. It's easier said than done. The linebackers are probably going to have to have a spy. I'm assuming it's going to be Nathan Gary because he apparently has photos of somebody. Uh, But, like, (laughs) look, if it's Duke Riley, you know, either way, the Eagles are not going to be on – Had an advantage there i just think lamar jackson is just too good it doesn't matter you could spy him with six guys you could go to the the spy museum in washington dc and bring up every person who works there and it would not (laughs) stop lamar jackson um i don't even know if that museum's still open but anyway um i went there when i was like 12 uh and then look from a secondary standpoint look mark andrews mark andrews right Uh, am i like having a brain fart here You're good you're good yeah, okay, so Andrews, the dude gets open all the time. He can't block for to save his life, but he can get open, and that's going to be a tough task for guys like Avon Wallace and Marcus Epps, and perhaps maybe Will Parks, who I think, if he does come back, will be a huge upgrade in that third safety position. I think he's inevitably going to be the starting strong safety. Um, and then at corner, look, Mar- uh, Marquise Hollywood-Brown is, is a really tough assignment. He's going to be a guy that they need to shut down the passing game i don't think that's going to happen so again we got to watch out for darius Slay, who's in the league's concussion protocol we're recording this on thursday morning uh so we don't know if he practiced on thursday or friday but wednesday he was held out um so chris what are your final thoughts today
0: well i think uh it's going to be interesting to see if lamar jackson really is going to be able to uh if he's really recovered from the ankle because if not there were some opportunities that some for some turnovers that the that Cincinnati just dropped, like flat out dropped. And I think when you look on the flip side, I think Joe Burrow, if they didn't have, if Cincinnati had an actual competent offensive line, I think they would have gave the Ravens fit. So I think it's the game's going to be a lot closer than what people think. I think it's going to be close up to the fourth quarter, but then the Ravens are going to pull away. So I think it's going to be a Ravens win. I think I had it like 28-17 or something like that, but it's going to be a. It's gonna be an, I think it's going to be another one of those games where you start to look and go, wow, the Eagles should have won this game. And then the Ravens just, broke away from it is just the way i think about it i mean what, what do you what are you thinking is your final thought
1: i think you you and i are on the same page though i think this is going to be a blowout i've got it like 38 to 20 i i just kind of think they're going to start off fast and and maybe the eagles will show some fight in the second and third quarter but the ravens will inevitably pull away look i, I even if they lose this game the eagles will be in NFC East contention. Um, they'll maybe be at worst a game and a half back of the Cowboys. Um, <clears throat> and so they'll be able to get back in it because they do have matchups against the Giants and Cowboys in the coming weeks. But man, I just like, I'm not saying they should tank. I'm not saying they should do a rebuild in the middle of a season, but I really think it's time to kind of look at your other options. The one positive note for this game, other than Travis Fulgham, obviously, is that fans will be in the stands. That'll be kind of cool. Uh, I've seen the TV journalists ask about fans almost 12 times a day. I feel like in press conferences, and I'm not sure that's an exaggeration or hyperbole uh if i get one more of those fan questions i don't know but i mean i i do think it's terrific i think it's great i think the eagles will appreciate the support but hopefully the eagles prove us wrong and treat those folks who are making their way to this to the link uh very very happy so make sure and now that we've gotten through that morbid uh talk Make sure you uh, sign up for Eagles Extra. You can do that by going to nj.com slash text. You can download the No Huddle Show podcast wherever podcasts are available. For Chris, I'm Mike. We'll talk to you on Sunday.